Being a father is quite an adventure nowadays, isn't it? Any of you fathers agree with me out there? Yeah, it's pretty adventurous. I think of this idea of working so hard to provide for my family, but the reality is, is that my kids don't ever seem to really appreciate what I do. And they don't understand that everything they have is because I'm working hard. It's okay, not bitter or anything like that. It's just the reality. Or what about wanting to be a good role model, right? I wanna be a good role model. I wanna be someone that my kids look up to, that they respect, that maybe they wanna be like when they grow up. But then they started growing up. They don't wanna be anything like me. It's a little disappointing, it's okay. Or what about this reality as a father, I desire the best for my kids. I really want what's best for them, but then I begin to realize that I oftentimes care more about their lives, I care more about their safety, I care more about their decisions than they actually do. And so it kind of just starts coming off like I'm a little controlling and nagging and I'm just always on them about things. Or how I want my kids to like me. Come on guys, be honest, right? I want my kids to like me. But I also want them to respect me and maybe fear me a little so that they don't disobey. It's a very interesting balance. But then I start asking myself, am I really wanting what's best for them or am I just looking at what's best for me? And as a dad, I just really struggle with my motives, why I'm doing and why I'm reacting and why I'm acting the way that I am. And then there's that struggle when your kids start moving in a direction that you weren't expecting them to move in. And loving them, even when they're in the midst of not necessarily doing or being who you're hoping they were going to be and, and wrestling through that in your life. Then the reality, this hit me over the last year, the reality that my worry for them after they got out of high school is actually greater than when they were younger. That was a surprise. I'm thinking like, you're in college, see ya. Don't have to worry about you no more. Are you kidding me? More sleepless nights as they've gone out on their own than when they were little munchkins. And I thought, oh, I'm so concerned, you know. Oh, you just have little kids, you just wait. But man, my love for my sons. In good times and bad times when they're obeying or when they're rebelling, when they're succeeding or when they're failing, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than being the dad to my sons. So happy Father's Day, you dads. Good luck to you, right? So what a job we have. And I think it's kind of fitting that we're in the book of Malachi and we started it last week and we're looking at this, you know, inside out, a call to authentic living. Because in Malachi chapter one, verse six, it says this, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Well, if I am a father, where is honor due me? That's what the Lord says to these people in Malachi. As a dad, I can feel the weight of that statement. As a son that I was, you know, I can also realize that I experienced that kind of voice from my dad at times. But as I also think I've projected that voice onto my boys at times. Where's my honor, right? Where's my reverence? Where is my value being appreciated? 
And just as I did and just as my own sons have done and maybe you have experienced too, I love the, well, I don't love it, but I, I appreciate the response from the children of Israel. Look as we continue on in verse six there of Malachi one. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? Have you ever gotten that from your kids? What are you talking about? I don't disrespect you. Stop talking back. I'm not talking back. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. You disrespect your mom. I wasn't even thinking about mom. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm looking at this interaction, this story here of God and his people. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can relate to this. I can relate. What are you talking about, they said? How have we dishonored you? Well, God's going to tell them how, he is, how they have dishonored him. In verse 7 of Malachi 1, he says this, that you placed defiled food on my altar by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible or worthless. Hey, they asked the question, how have we defiled you? And God answers, by not following the laws that were given to Moses that are so clearly written down in Leviticus. They were to honor God by offering that with, without defect, to bring your first and your best and your unblemished sacrifices. But you were bringing your jacked up, your sick, and your lame, and your leftovers. That's how you've dishonored me. Because it was in the, 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 the covenant between us that when you show honor to God and bring your sacrifices, your first and your best and your unblemished, I will bless you. You don't honor me, you will be cursed. And we talked about that last week. And here we are at the end of the Old Testament, hundreds of years later after that Mosaic covenant, they're still not following. They're facing the consequences. They're under the rule of Persia. Their land is still not flourishing. And now they're having to deal with this message in Malachi. Very straightforward. The writer of Malachi even says, hey, try offering that kind of offering to the governor. What if the government asked for your, an offering? Would you bring him this jacked up lamb that you're bringing God? No. You would honor the man more than you honor God. And then Malachi delivers the knockout blow in, chap, in verse 10 of chapter one. I wrote it in, I put it up there in the message because I love how the message puts this. Why doesn't one of you just shut the temple doors and lock them? Hey, if you're going to keep bringing these sacrifices, let's just stop worship altogether. Shut the door and let's lock it. Then none of you can get in and play at this religion with this silly, empty-headed worship. I am not pleased, and I don't want any more of this so-called worship offering God some hand-me-down, broken, or useless things. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? He comes right at them. What an in-your-face declaration that their worship, their offering, their sacrifices are unacceptable for they were not in line with the covenant that had been made through Moses. Close the doors of the temple. Close the doors. Stop this. Wow. Can you feel the weight of that message? Anyone <laughs> feel the weight of that? Can you feel the weight of the law can you feel the weight of obedience, the weight of religion? Worship me in this way or I will not accept it. Maybe some of you were raised in a, you know, a, a church or in a situation that you heard this every week, right? 
a preacher just demanding your obedience, give God everything or don't give God nothing kind of thing. As a youth pastor that has gone to many camps, I used to always just go, oh, great, what's the, what's the camp speaker going to say? Because so many times the high school kids, these are the kind of messages. If you can't give everything, God doesn't want anything. How many of you, that's true, you wouldn't give anything because you can't give everything? Anyone ever give it all? Do I got any hundred percenters out there? Oh, I've given it all, baby. Ain't nothing held back, you know? So, man, I hear these kind of things, and I realize no wonder, no wonder we might struggle with feeling like we can't come authentically, God. We can't come authentically to God, to church, or to each other. Because we feel the weight of this call, it's all or nothing. So going back to Malachi, what should they do? How should they respond? And I love Malachi chapter 1, verse 9. Now implore God to be gracious with us. I love that. Guys, look what he says. With such offerings you're all doing, he's not going to accept you. So you better implore his grace. Implore his grace. Based on their offerings, God will not accept them. But based on grace, there is hope. There is hope. So that's what's going on in Malachi chapter 1. That's the straightforward like rebuke that's going on there. But remember last week we talked about how we're going to take a look at Malachi, this Mosaic covenant, Mosaic law of the Old Testament, and we're going to look at it with the New Testament teaching of Jesus and his followers. We're going to look at these two things together, and I think this is what we're going to see, is that it's not our offering that makes us acceptable to God, but his grace offering that does. It's not our offerings, but it's his offering. God will flip the religious requirements inside out, and in doing so, he will show that he is a loving father that does call us to come as we are. This new way, this new covenant through Jesus Christ is talked about in Malachi. Look at Malachi 3, verse 1. He says, see, I will send a messenger, my messenger, who will prepare the way for me, the Lord said. That's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was that messenger that came to prepare the way of the Lord. And then look at what he says in Malachi 3, 3. Then, through this messenger, through the Lord, through this message, the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. Now, I want you to understand this phrase. It, it seems, to, I want you to get it. It says bring an offering in righteousness, not for righteousness. You see the inside out flip there? And I was going like, is this real? Am I seeing something or making something? And I started looking at commentaries and there's another point now. Man, it is talking about that there's gonna be a new way of bringing an offering. They're gonna bring an offering in righteousness, not for righteousness. Mosaic law, you sit there, do this, and you will be blessed. Don't do this and you will be cursed. Bring your, bring your offerings and you will be declared this. In this new way, you will bring an offering in righteousness. This one that is to come, this one that he is preparing the way for, would change everything. Flip it upside down. Flip it inside out. 
Here's how I want us to see it. He would make righteousness no longer something you are trying to obtain through your actions. Did you get that? He would make it so that righteousness is no longer something you're trying to obtain through your actions. And here's the flip, but a righteousness that starts from the inside and is expressed through your actions. I know that might seem subtle, but that's a huge difference. How we see things makes such a huge impact in our lives. Bring in this offering in righteousness. All the sacrifices required in the Old Testament were pointing to the true sacrifice that was to come. And you see in John 1.29 that John the Baptist makes the declaration, he is that one that was going to come before the Lord. And he says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. He says, look, the Lamb of God, the offering, the sacrifice who takes away the sins of the world. That, John, is the messenger talked about in Malachi 3. The one preparing the way for the Lord. The Lord who would come, who would bless all people and all nations through the Abrahamic promise that was 400 years before Moses was on the scene. The seed we looked at last week. The seed that is Jesus Christ. The one who would empower people to bring offerings in righteousness instead of for righteousness. The one whose sacrifice would accomplish what all other sacrifices couldn't. I love Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews 9 because Hebrews, the writer, is writing to the Hebrew people, to the Jews. They're now followers. They're, they're Christians. And in the book of Hebrews, man, chapter after chapter of just flipping inside out, flipping upside down, what for hundreds of years how they saw it to say, this is the reality now. And just, I can only imagine how much they wrestled after hundreds of years of seeing it one way to look at it now through Christ. But look what he says in verse 13 of Hebrews 9. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonial unclean, they sanctify them so that they're just outwardly clean. Hey guys, then all those sacrifices you did, it just kind of covered over. Just kind of just, just outwardly cleansed you because when you sinned again, you had to do it again. And when you sinned again, you had to do it again. As a matter of fact, the priest would have to go in and do a sacrifice for his own sins first before he can do it for your sins. It was, just, it was just a temporary fix. How much more then, he goes on to say, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, the sacrifice that they didn't do in Malachi, God did through Christ, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. I love that passage. There's two things in that verse that has so deeply impacted my life, and I hope it might yours as well. Number one is this. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we are declared righteous. Our conscience is clear before God. Let that sink in. That's a tough one because how many of you feel like your conscience is not clear? Anyone? Okay. So, hey, like I tell high school kids all the time, Feelings are real, they're just not always true. To sit there and believe what God declares about is not always easy. But he is declaring that your conscience is clear. 
You are righteous, you are holy, you are blameless, you are my dearly loved children, and through Christ's sacrifice, your conscience is now clear. Sin is no longer attributed to you. You are mine, and you are declared holy. That's not always easy to listen to, to, to trust. We're not good at trusting certain voices in our life, are we? My wife still doesn't trust my voice. Honey, you look so beautiful. Yeah, whatever, I got this and this and this and this, right? And then someone at work goes, oh, you look beautiful today. And she comes home, hey, someone said I look beautiful. I go, I tell you that every day. Yeah, but you're my husband. Who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, who are we going to listen to? You teenagers, man, you're super into that, right? Your parents are going, oh, you're so beautiful. You're lovely. You're awesome. You're the best kid in the world. And you're like, whatever. But someone at school tells you, like, girls, hey, you're beautiful. It's like, oh. you know they're only after, like, whatever. You guys, we listen. What voice are we listening to? It's hard to listen to the right voices, right? I do the same thing to God that my kid does to me. Oh, the kids tell me I'm dumb. You're not dumb. You're awesome. I don't care what you say. It only matters what they say. God declares my conscience clear. Oh, yeah, but that person points out my problem. That person points out my problem, right? I look in the mirror. I mean, it's a powerful struggle. And when I read a book like Malachi, man, it could freak me out sometimes. And if you guys like that, I hope some of you read Malachi last week. It's like, don't want to read this thing. I'm toast. Maybe I haven't given my all. Maybe my offerings are useless. Maybe I just think I'm accepted when I'm not good enough and I've done too many bad things. Maybe that Rancho Church is going to figure me out sooner or later and they're going to boot me out of this place faster than they can blink. Maybe, man, look at that. I'm nowhere near that. But the sacrifices that were required, the law that was required that we see in there has been fully met in Christ. He's the offering. Romans chapter eight, verse three says, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. The law was never able to make anyone righteous because in our sinfulness, we are not gonna follow it all. We're gonna rebel. We're gonna be a little bit, you know, out there. We're gonna struggle. But God did. So what the law was powerless to do, God did. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, to be that unblemished sacrifice. And so he condemned sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. So now I no longer need to follow laws and rules to clear my conscience, to be righteous before God as we see in the book of Malachi. But Christ fulfilled the law requirements. He became sin. He condemned sin in our place. He did that so the righteous requirements might be fully met in us, declaring us righteous. Look at 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. It's not my sacrifices that bring me to God. It's not my offering. It's not my righteous living. It's Jesus. Or look at 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Through Christ now, I am declared the righteousness of God. That is why this series is a call to authentic living. 
because you don't have to act anymore. We don't have to pretend. I don't have to hope that I'm doing everything right to be accepted by God. I don't get to God through my sacrifices, through my offerings, through my worship, but I've been brought to God through Christ. And here's the crazy part, right? We're talking about he declares us righteous. Here's the part I want us to get, that my life, that your life is actually now the offering being brought in righteousness talked about in Malachi. You and I are that offering. We're the offering now in righteousness. We are now God's offering to this world in righteousness. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of what he has done, in view of that he has set us free, that he has given his life for us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, because that's what you are. You're not offering your body as a living sacrifice to become holy and pleasing in God. You are offering your body as a living sacrifice because you are now declared holy and pleasing to God. You are the perfect sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Let that reality sink in. Hebrews chapter nine, where it says he's now given us this clear conscience he says, so that we may serve the living God. So here's the second thing I want us to do. Be, or, or think, because, our clear because of our clear conscience, we are now empowered to authentically serve others as our act of worship to God. We are serving out of a clear conscience, not to get one. Something happened when I began to realize this in me. Something happened when it took a long time, it feels like, that I wasn't serving or worshiping or sacrificing for God in order to earn something. I wasn't serving or worshiping or sacrificing for God because I'm trying to make up for wrongs because my wrongs have already been made up through Christ. It's done. And my future is already his. The inheritance is his in Christ. It's done. It's mine. I have nothing to make up for and I have nothing to earn. And it's kind of interesting. Man, that, I, I wrestled with that. I, I was teaching at a camp once, and uh, this kid, I didn't even know him, but he came up to me and he goes, so if my obedience doesn't earn anything in God, why be obedient? It's a legitimate question, right? And I told him, did you hear what you just said? And then I said this, oh, don't approach your marriage that way or you'll be in trouble. Well, why serve my wife if she ain't going to give me anything back? Why am I love my kids if they're not going to serve me? Man, you see how we have this genie in the bottle kind of idea with God? Like if I'm not, ee, 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 pff, what are your three wishes? Then why do it? And that creates in so many people this discouragement and disillusionment. And then where is God? Because I've done this and I've done that. Where is he? I thought if I did this, he's going to come through and make all my wildest dreams come true. We have this idea. When's he going to do what he's supposed to do? He already did it. 
He already did it. It declares us righteous and holy. Now we can serve. Now we can give. Now our lives. And when I began to realize that, that I wasn't making up for something, that I wasn't earning, I didn't have to pretend that I was more spiritual than I really am. And any of you that know me, I'm not really that spiritual. And I grew, I mean, I got saved in a church that they talked super spiritual. It used to be so difficult for me. I had to act, I had to, I felt like I had to act I was more spiritual than I was. Any of you guys ever gone to a church like that? You're like that? Oh man, what's up brother? Praise the Lord. You've been spending time with Jesus. And I'm just like, oh yeah. I don't, I don't really know what all that stuff means. It's just not, it's just not me. Okay, I understand. Some of you are like, oh, I totally know what that means, but that's not me, you know? And so I had to start pretending. Hey, brother, amen, what's happening? You know, God's good all the time. God is good. Yeah, you spend time with Jesus. Dude, I was, had this walk with the Lord, you know? And I'm like, you were just walking with him? Like on the beach? That's cool, you know? So just me, that was hard for me. And man, when this started coming out, man, I did not have to pretend anymore. It became more a natural flow of God in and through my life. Me, Steve Solomon, he just wanted to use me in the relationships that were around me. And that was very empowering. He wants to use you. He doesn't want you to be like me or me to be like you. He just wants you to be you. With all your faults, with your good traits and your bad traits, with your victories and defeats, he wants to love you and through you love others. Galatians chapter five says, you, my brothers, are called to be free. We're free. Our conscience is clear. Our sins are forgiven. But don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in this single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, and man, when this started becoming real to me, I just started realizing that one of the hardest places for me to love was with that person laying right next to me every night. Actually, the harder people were those little guys laying you know, in the rooms next to me. And I started realizing that this is the place, first and foremost, where I want to be that living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I wanna bring that love to my family. And that began this journey and this flow outside of that to others and just the simplicity of my life and who I am and allowing God to just use me as a living sacrifice. You see, when I think about being a father, you know, I, I, in real honesty, I don't want my kids for the rest of their lives to be trying to be like me, right? I want to be more like dad, you know? or do things just because they're afraid of disappointing me or because I'm not gonna accept them. I don't want them to continue to do things just for my sake. As a father, I want my sons to kind of take what I've taught them and have that become the natural flow of their lives as they grow into who they are. And in their relationships and their jobs and if they get married and if they have kids, that it becomes a natural flow in their lives and I believe that's God's desire for us, for us to trust how deeply he loves us just as we are with all our good and bad traits. And then the more fully experience his love as we love others and help them to see his love as well. Be authentic. That's our worship to God. That's our offering. 
That's being a living sacrifice. Just you. You are the most powerful person in the people in your lives' lives. I want to close with 1 John 4.10. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If you look at those passages as a command, you better love or else, man, you've missed it, right? This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. So now love others and the love of God will be complete and flowing in and through you. will experience God and others just might experience him as well. What a beautiful and powerful way to live our lives from the inside out. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for the big picture of your word. And we can read things like Malachi and and see the heaviness of sacrifices and, and religion and this duty. And then we can look at your words, Jesus. The whole point is to see you as that sacrifice, to see you as that hope, to see you as that life to see that your sacrifice in our place declares us righteous, our conscience is clear. And that now our lives are that living sacrifice. That our lives are that offering in righteousness to this world through you. That our lives matter in the lives of those around us. Help us to really deeply understand that we are loved by you and accepted by you so that we might then love others and accept them. That you have given it us so that we can give to them. That you sacrifice so that we might sacrifice for them. May that become the natural flow of our lives. Not something we have to do to be righteous, but something that we get to do because we are. May we catch that vision and live this authentic life that brings you glory and honor that other people will see you through us. For your glory and honor in Jesus' name.